Welcome, everybody, to this episode of the Ninth Grade Experience Podcast. I'm your host, Chris Dutchko. The goal of the podcast is to give you the story of ninth grade students at Emmaus High School and beyond through the people who live it daily, the students and the staff. We will attempt to touch on the real issues and stories that ninth grade students face in order to prepare them to know that ninth grade counts. And today's special episode is coming to you from the P&C Conference in Hershey, Pennsylvania. Um, A little later today, uh, we're going to be recording a special ninth grade experience podcast episode that will get up later in the week. But today, I had the opportunity to talk to the keynote speaker for the P&C Conference on the first day, uh, Jimmy Cassis. And uh, to give you a little bit of background on him, uh, he wrote a book, many books, but the book that he talked most about today was Culturize, Every Student, Every Day, Whatever It Takes. Uh, His goal is to eradicate average. Culturize your school. Average schools don't inspire greatness, and greatness is what our schools need if we are going to produce world-changing learners. And that's from the bio taken from the P&C conference website. Um, But his keynote address was awesome this morning. It was very inspirational, kind of getting us to think about the why and getting teachers to think about what they were talking about during their interview process and going back to think about are the decisions they are making today in accordance with what they talked about during those interviews. And uh, we caught up with him. He took a couple minutes after his keynote and another session today to take a couple minutes to talk to the Ninth Grade Experience podcast about his ninth grade experience and what it was like for him in middle school and high school what he would suggest to students uh, learning to ask for help and putting him back in the seat of maybe being a high school principal again. He's been uh, out of the principal job for a couple of years, but he, you know, if we asked him to go back, what would he do to help ninth grade students uh, become part of the culture of the school and what would he do to help encourage that growth and development? So hopefully you uh, take a couple minutes here and like his answers. And uh, thanks a lot to Jimmy again for taking a couple of moments after all the things that he was scheduled to do today to talk to the ninth grade experience. So hopefully uh, you can listen to this or you can go to ninthgradeexperience.com to listen to all of our back episodes. And later on in the week, you'll hear the episode that we actually recorded here at the conference during our session. So uh, thanks, special thanks to Jimmy for doing this. And here is a short interview with Jimmy Cassis. All right, so thanks everyone for tuning in to the ninth grade Experience podcast. I'm here at Pete and C, and I just happened to track down the keynote speaker from the first day here, Jimmy Cassis. So thanks a lot for coming to join us for a couple minutes here on the Ninth Grade Experience podcast. Um, you made an amazing keynote speech this morning. Lots of great stuff. So the first question we ask every new guest on the podcast is: Describe your ninth grade experience. And it sounded like from what you had talked about today that you had a unique high school experience. So you can share. We don't ask people what year, and we don't <laughs> ask them where. No but whatever there. you're comfortable to share about your ninth grade experience. Yeah, well, I. Pre- Appreciate that. Well, it's interesting, right? Because I actually went to a junior high, which back then was seven, eight, nine. So high school was really 10, 11, 12 for us. So it was still in the junior high. But in order to talk about the ninth grade experience, I actually have to kind of go back to the seventh grade experience is when it started as that transition. And I tell this story often is that it's just a reminder again, right, that we should never label kids and how we should champion for kids. But as a seventh grader, I spent two weeks in my language arts class until the teacher got so frustrated with me that she must have somehow worked out a deal with the assistant principal because all I know is that I found myself in the in-school suspension room two weeks into my junior high experience for this English class. And the truth be told is I never left 202 for that entire year, which means I never had English during my seventh grade year. 
So you can imagine as a kid who was coming into junior high already behind in grade level reading, right, that that seventh grade year really was the final, you know, basically a dagger in me in terms of the confidence and the ability to read and understand all those types of things. So the seventh grade year, unfortunately, did not get off to a good start, which therefore impacted the eighth and ninth grade year. And so um, that really began my downfall in terms of how I felt about school and my education and how I felt about the adults in my life, to be honest with you. So one of the things that you talked about in your, your keynote this morning was for adults and students to kind of teach the skill of like asking, like, I need your help. That was something mm -hmm. that you had mentioned in there. So for ninth grade students that may be watching this and then maybe for ninth grade educators as well, too, how would you like recommend, like since you were a student, it seemed like that needed that help. Like, how would you recommend mm -hmm. to tell students to like be comfortable to ask for that help? And then what should educators and administrators be on the lookout when they're hearing students ask those similar things? Yeah, the first thing I think you've, you've got to understand in terms of when kids transition into school or a classroom, whatever it has to be the case, is how do we help young people find their voice, right? It's no different than a staff. You know, every staff member has a voice. How do we recognize that voice? How do we allow people to express that voice? And more importantly, how do we create the conditions and the environment and the culture where people feel comfortable that they can share that voice without repercussion or retaliation and we're gonna get upset at them? So you really have to build that culture so we can't just tell kids that we have to model it. So that's always one of the dangerous areas. So modeling means two things. One, as I have to be willing to ask for help to show them that it's okay to be that vulnerable. And if the instructor or the adult is asking for that, we're actually modeling really good practices. But the second part is this, when kids or others share their voice with us and they do ask for their help, our, our help, it's how we respond in that moment. We can't be using sarcasm, we can't be getting frustrated, we can't be saying things, well, I've already explained it three times, or this is why you should be paying attention, because that's what shuts kids down, why they don't ask for help, right? We can't say you're free to ask for help, but then when they do, our response isn't very effective. And so it's modeling, it's creating the conditions, but it's basically, it's when they do, right? It, we have to be very careful on what our response looks like. So they're continue to feel comfortable when we create that environment where kids feel like I can ask for help and not be shamed and not be, you know, someone using sarcasm at me or someone scolding me for not paying attention. Do you remember from your own like seventh, eighth, ninth grade experience that you maybe tried to do that and didn't get the results that you were looking for? Or were you just not ready at that point to ask for that help or even know what help you really needed? Yeah, absolutely. And that's, that's a really good point, Chris, is sometimes kids don't know what they need, right? And that's, you know, you look at the maturity of a student coming in, their experiences that they've had. It's not that they don't want it. Maybe they don't know how to ask for it. Maybe they've had a bad experience, whatever happens to be the case. In my case, I never asked for it. And I'll be honest, is because I was angry and I was frustrated and I had a chip on my shoulder. But I did feel the adults were kind of out to get me. I didn't want to ask for their help, right? And part of that is just the maturity and the age you were and the resentfulness that I had towards the adults in my life. But uh, in my case, I did not ask for it. But I also don't believe the adults in my life created the conditions for me to ask for it, if that makes sense. Yeah, a lot of times on the podcast, when I ask people about that ninth grade experience, it was kind of the thing that maybe led them into education or whatever their career path was. Was that experience something that led you into the work that you're doing today, where you were, you know, a high school principal, where you were, you know, you know, you're going around the country and giving keynotes about uh, all the different things that you believe in and helping kids and make those connections within school. But did that experience kind of lead you in this direction? maybe not thinking about it then but maybe looking at it now 
Well, I certainly had experiences when I was in school that I, I know that people championed for me, right? As I look back and reflected on it, there were certainly educators and teachers who cared about me and did the very best they could. I also had a lot of teachers who didn't either, but I also believe they did the best they can, that they could at the time. It really, for me, Chris, didn't happen until later. I was actually in college. I had graduated college, and uh, honestly, I was looking for something to do. I was managing a bar at the time. Um, I was looking to go into the FBI. That was a two-year process. They encouraged me to go back and get a master's degree. I wasn't sure what to get that in or what, what, what field to get that in. Um, so I decided to go ahead and during that summer, before the school year started in the fall, I started volunteering uh, at an ESL program in an elementary school, Kirkwood Elementary in Iowa City, Iowa. And I'll never forget it. Uh, I had a teacher there by the name of Barb Heiger who convinced me, you should be a teacher. And uh, I started, started with a two, two hours a week on two days a week. I should say two hours, two days a week. And the next day I know I was there four hours a day, every day of the week, helping them. And I fell in love with teaching. And that's what inspired me to go into the teaching in the, in the next place. So, yeah, it's pretty cool. So last question. You've been out of the classroom for five years now. You mm -hmm. were a principal. So if you went back into a high school today, let's just say random high school decided to hire you back mm -hmm. as the principal of the school and you were dealing with ninth grade students, how would you, what opportunities would you take to build the community or build that sense of, you know, culture that you spoke about with ninth grade and then the rest of the school building? Yeah, I think ninth grade is always a good place to start, especially for those high schools that are traditional nine through 12 because kids are transitioning. I think one of the first things, and that's just not would I do it, I already did it, and that is, is to start sitting down with every ninth grade student and having a one-on-one -on -one conversation to try to understand where they're at and to understand their story. It takes a lot of time, but it's one of the most important things you can do. And now you do you do it once, you got to be able to sustain it and replicate it. And so eventually you build the capacity where it isn't just you and others are part of that, but kids need to understand why we're doing this, what the value is, and getting to understand and get to know their stories. It does make a difference in the connection with kids and how they feel that sense of belonging. And I think that's really critical for kids when they come in. No kid wants to feel invisible. Every kid wants to feel like they belong. So what are we doing to intentionally create that sense of belonging? The best way to do that, in my opinion, is to get to know their story. And then what do we do after that is we stay invested and we continue to follow up with them and not just tell them that we care about them, but actually show them that we care about them. Now, those are great messages and a great strategy there. Um, we thank you for taking some time out after you, you, know, you did the keynote, you did another thing. Now you're kind of trying to get off to lunch. So we appreciate you taking a couple minutes for us here. And thanks a lot for joining us. I appreciate it, Chris. Thank you so much. And God bless my friend.